Hello, welcome to the podcast Psychiatry Talk. I'm Dr. Michael Blumenfield, the Sidney E. Frank Distinguished Professor Emeritus of Psychiatry and Behavioral Sciences at New York Medical College and currently in private practice in Woodland Hills, Los Angeles, California. This podcast will examine various topics in psychiatry and mental health. This will include new interviews with experts in various areas, as well as interviews I've recorded in the past. I will also personally discuss subjects that I've written about in my blog, psychiatrytalk.com, or on new topics. Your comments will always be welcome at mblumenfield at gmail.com. That's mblumenfield, B-L-U-M-E-N-F-I-E-L-D, at gmail.com. And now let's get going with today's podcast. Hello, this is Dr. Michael Blumenfield, and this is Psychiatry Talk. It was 32 years ago this month that I had a brief correspondence with Richard Nixon, who confirmed my theory that he, Nixon, may have contributed to the death of President Lyndon Johnson. Let me tell you the story. As a young psychiatrist just out of training, I was in the U.S. Air Force in San Antonio, Texas at Wilfrid Hall Hospital for two years during the Vietnam War. Three years after I was discharged and left the service, the war was still in progress and I was invited back to Wilfrid Hall Hospital in San Antonio, Texas to give a talk. My wife Susan came with me and we visited some friends that we had made and also took a look at our old home. We were on the plane, sitting on the runway, waiting to fly back to New York, both reading the newspaper. There were two big stories that particular day. One was that Lyndon Johnson died of a heart condition in Austin, Texas, not too far from where we were in San Antonio. The other story was that President that then-President Richard Nixon had just announced that the war in Vietnam had come to an end and that North Vietnam and the United States were going to sign a peace treaty. Two historic events. My wife turned to me and said, you know, it's too bad that Johnson didn't live to learn about the end of the war. I replied to her, I'll bet you that Nixon called him the day before and told him what was happening, and that's what killed him. As you may remember, Lyndon Johnson chose not to run for a second term, stating that he wanted to devote his energy to try to end the war, which he wasn't able to do. Insiders subsequently reported that Johnson was agonized to know that Americans thought of him as the architect, not of the equal rights and Medicare, which he championed, but rather as the architect of the hated Vietnam War. Associates later reported that Johnson felt like an outcast and was frequently depressed and repeatedly listened to Simon and Garfunkel's Bridge Over Troubled Waters. Remember the lyrics? When you're weary, feeling small, when tears are in your eyes, and friends can't be found. 
Well, I didn't know all this. I knew that Johnson felt badly that he hadn't ended the war. And I instantly thought at that moment on the plane, thinking about these two big news stories, that Nixon must have called him. And although he had heart disease, this telephone call must have precipitated his demise. That was my theory. It just came to me. Well, I returned to New York and continued my career as a psychiatrist with somewhat of a specialty in psychosomatic medicine. I was aware of the work of a pioneer in the field by the name of Dr. George Engel, who theorized how when patients are depressed and feel like giving up, a physical disease can be precipitated or exacerbated. Over the next 10 or 12 years, I would frequently expound my theory about Johnson as an example of, of how depression can affect the body and could precipitate disease. I would talk to my students and colleagues about it. And then one day, a beloved sister-in-law of mine said to me, why don't you ask Richard Nixon if he really did call and inform Johnson that he was ending the war? Uh, and then Johnson subsequently died shortly thereafter. Well, this was before we had uh, a computer and uh, Google, but, sh but she was a crackerjack librarian, and she obtained from me Nixon's address. Nixon at the time, as you recall, had resigned the presidency in disgrace after Watergate. And by the way, Shortly after that, he developed thrombophlebitis, uh, which he recovered and was living in the New York, New Jersey area. Well, she got me his address and I wrote him a letter and told him my theory. And then I asked him if he called Johnson to inform him that he was ending the war before it was announced. Somewhat to my surprise, Richard Nixon answered my letter. He confirmed my theory and also revealed more information and insight into Johnson, and I believe inadvertently revealed some things about himself, Nixon. So let me let me read you the letter that I that I received. The letter was dated March 18th, 1986. The only stationery above the date was in capital letters was Richard Nixon, and there was an address, 20 Federal Plaza, New York City. That was printed. And the letter went as follows. It was typewritten, and there was no uh, secretary's initials, so perhaps Nixon typed it himself. It was as follows. Dear Dr. Blumenfield, with regard to your letter of March 4th, I think you may find some materials which bears on your thesis in my memoirs on page 753 to 758. As you will note, I had spoken to Johnson by phone on January 2nd. I informed him at the time that as a result of our December bombing of the Hanoi Haiphong area, the North Vietnamese had come back to the bargaining table and I was confident that they would soon agree to our peace terms. Bob Haldeman, at my instruction, called him on January 15th 
to inform him, this is to inform Johnson, that the bombing had been halted. His immediate reaction, I know what this means, reflected his belief that I would not have halted it unless an agreement had been reached. I have no record of having called him again before his death, but as you will gather from my diary notes, I was deeply relieved to find that he had received the news with regard to the completion of the peace, of the peace agreement before he died. I had known Johnson as a political opponent, but personal friend for almost 30 years. Despite inaccurate perceptions in the media, in addition to being a very able and proud man, he was a very sensitive man. What hurt him the most after he left office was that hundreds of people for whom he had done favors over the years deserted him. He was a victim of the old political axiom which he himself had practiced to the hilt, except for a very few personal friends, a politician must accept the fact that most of his friends will stick with him only so long as he can do something for them or to them. After he left office, Johnson could do neither and was hurt far more deeply than most of the political pundits realized. His doctors announced that he died of a broken heart. I think their diagnosis would be correct if they were to add that his heart was broken emotionally as well as physically. Sincerely, Richard Nixon. And the, Richard Nixon uh, had signed the letter in, in his handwriting. So there, there we have it, a little footnote to American history about how one president may have inadvertently contributed to the final demise of another president. We also get a little insight into how famous people can feel deserted and lonely, and that may not only have been true in regard to Johnson, as postulated by Nixon, but Nixon himself probably found himself in a similar situation after Watergate, where he, where he left the presidency in disgrace. One more interesting update on this subject. It just so happens that this month, a book was published by Oxford Press, edited by my friend and colleague, Dr. Jim Strain, and myself, titled Depression as a Systemic Disease. One of the chapters in our book is titled The Biological Effects of Depression in Cardiac Illness by Nicole Mavrides and Charles Nemiroff. They address some of the latest scientific evidence how depression can impact heart disease. This is Michael Blumenfield, and this is Psychiatry Talk. You can hear future episodes by going to psychiatrytalk.podbean.com or through iTunes under Podcasts and Psychiatry Talk. Thank you. This concludes today's podcast. Your comments are always welcome at mblumenfield at gmail.com. That's M-B-L-U-M-E-N-F-I-E-L-D at gmail.com. This is Dr. Michael Blumenfield wishing you a pleasant day.